Uh, Kyle actually asked the team, like, how do we feel about the win? And nobody said anything because at the end of the game, like, we just got to we just got to finish the game like we started. And then uh, I'm glad we got the window. Welcome to this post-game edition of the Better Rivals podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, it's the first week of the season, and it's the first win. The 49ers beat the Detroit Lions despite a late surge in a game that was a lot closer than it really needed to be. And with me this week, here to give us an update on the existence of his kneecaps, it's David Newman. Let's see. One, two. Yep, they're both here. We're still good. Both there. Yep. Uh, can you check your ACLs, please? Uh, a little bit more difficult to feel those, but yeah, I think they're there. Try harder. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> at this point, anyone associated with the 49ers, not guaranteed to have an ACL. We'll get to the injuries in a second. But first, some housekeeping. We are changing up the schedule. Uh, it, it, this is our 10th season, David. As I was thinking about it, as, as yeah. kickoff was happening, and you know, I, I was getting all nostalgic because it's like football's back, and you know, my adrenaline was pumping and all sorts of things, and I was like shaking, and it's you know, it like, man, I, this, is, this is a lot. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and I was just, I was like, Shit, that this is this is season ten because twenty twelve was season yeah, one, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, this is officially our tenth season. And so we're switching up the schedule in season ten. We're going to come at you with a uh, effectively reaction pod that's going to post on Monday, and so you're going to get to hear our thoughts on the game with a little less time to prep, but hopefully still equally as informative. And we're going to live stream it for Patreon subscribers, so they will get to see it on Sunday night as we do it uh, probably around the same time Sunday night football kicks off and then we're going to post the actual pod version of it on Monday for everyone else so if you want to get it live if you want to hear it as it happens uh, and maybe we'll do some questions that we don't put on the pod uh, then definitely get on the Patreon and subscribe so you can get stuff starting next week but let's get to the game uh, basically the way that these are going to go from here on out is the post game is just going to have kind of big thoughts that we've got about the game, uh, as researched as we can get it based on the tape that we've got, uh, and the stats that we can collect. Uh, so David, what was the first takeaway? The thing that we were texting about, um, probably somewhere near halftime, uh, <laughs> before, <laughs> before things went off the rails that like, holy shit, uh, the offense looked good. I, I, I mean, I think in, in terms of, if you could uh, have been Kyle Shanahan, right, in the week leading up to this and you're designing it, the ideal way that you want this game to go offensively, like, this was pretty much it. I mean, they had the run game going. Everything looked easy. I mean, they were getting chunk plays in both the run game and then when when they did go to pass, which they didn't have to pass, uh, you know, a ton. I mean, they didn't really even have the ball a ton because uh, obviously you had the, you know, the mishap with the snap on the opening play of the game and, and whatever that ruins the, butt the possession. <laughs> the butt sweat. Uh, but but beyond that, I mean, obviously, I think they scored on their next four drives and and it was it was just easy. It was efficient. The play action game was there. They were getting Jimmy easy throws. And yeah, it was just everything was kind of clicking on all cylinders. I mean, at one point, I, I know I looked uh, and they were averaging over 10 yards of play, like kind of midway through the second quarter. They calmed down a little bit um, with that final two minute drive. But even then, I mean, they still finished the first half averaging 9.3 yards per play, which is is just an absurd number. Yeah, that's that's almost the first down every time you take snap, which is really, really good. And really, you mentioned that it was really on the base of the run game. And I think Raheem Mostert had a couple of really, really good runs before he went out. But Elijah Mitchell 
also had some solid runs. Everyone was expecting Trey Sermon to be that guy. And I mean, we talked about Trey Sermon as a potential breakout candidate. Turns out he wasn't one of the three best backs in camp. <laughs> this is what Shanahan said in the postgame presser. So he's just going to be inactive. So everyone who drafted him in like the fourth, fifth round is the 1B to Raheem Mostert's 1A. That's Elijah Mitchell. And, and Elijah Mitchell looked good, honestly. I mean, Raheem Mostert looked better because he is faster and, and better at this point in his career. But Raheem Mostert has a knee injury, which is not believed to be a torn ACL. But Elijah Mitchell looked good. He hit the hole with decisiveness. He was big. He was strong. Um, and he took advantage of, of that which he could. I don't. I, I do think he left some meat on the bone. But overall, as a rookie... I thought he did really, really well, and it allowed the 49ers to play the kind of play-action game I think that Shanahan likes, which is to basically do it all of the time. Prior to the two-minute <laughs> drive, they had just two pass attempts that did not include play-action, and I think one of them was the, the Trey Lance play, the touchdown throw. Which you know, I think even that was play-action. I'm pretty sure that was play-action. Yeah, I just it's one of those things where it's like I I can't remember really outside of the yeah. two minute drive where like which two throws they were because it, all we know is that they were charted <laughs> that way so it's true we trust the charting but um but yeah I, I don't know which ones they were because everything seemed to be play action and that's that's fine that's okay like that is that is a feint that is deceit that's a good thing to do uh, but that's the way the Niners like to play and that's the way they played it yeah I mean they 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 were clicking I mean it was just. Eating, I mean, it was largely Debo. Obviously, Kittle had uh, you know some plays in there as well, but they were yeah just doing what they do, which is eating up those kind of uh, intermediate throws off play action and, and letting Debo and Kittle get yards after the catch. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought Mitchell coming back to the running backs for just a minute, uh, which is probably the first time you've ever heard me say that in the entire 10 years of doing this podcast. The, the trick is we got to get you immediately after the game before you can sit and stew in the juices. <laughs> Of the game, we've got to get you immediately after the fact. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I thought Mitchell did look pretty good. I mean, I, th I think he had some plays there where he did a good job of of getting stuff after contact. Um, I I thought it was funny that um, you know Mark Sanchez called him Mini Mostert, and I think that's like I, one of the reasons we thought that Trey Sermon was going to uh, potentially play a bigger role is because he was kind of a, more of a complimentary player, right? He brought a different style of runner to the 49ers backfield. And then it turns out they just wanted to stick with the, the fast guys, right. That, that can eat up those chunk yardage when they block it up. Well, which and is great. Like, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's a fantastic decision. It's been successful for them. And I, I think they obviously showed uh, that they could still get that. I mean, again, you're, you're just kind of plugging in any sort of fast back back there that you think can read the play up fine. And, and I think they had, a lot of success in this game running to uh, these sort of like overloaded formations, right? They would on the touchdown, for instance, uh, from Mitchell, they basically had a bunch over uh, on the right side tight to the formation. So they had two tight ends and then they motioned Juwan Jennings over there. And so you're just stacking a bunch of players on that one side and then running right behind them, right? These these kind of toss outside zone looks. Uh, that they love to do and and yeah they were blocking it up well and and guys I mean on that uh touchdown run from Mitchell I mean he went well into the secondary before he was touched right and then he did a good job of of finishing that run breaking the tackle uh of the safety there to kind of seal the deal and get in the end zone um but they had a lot of success kind of going with that formula where they would get this kind of overload where they would get a bunch of guys on one side of the formation tight to the offensive line and then run it there behind them we talked a lot this past week in the season preview about the Niners' success running into really heavy boxes 
and they basically are creating these heavy boxes by putting those <laughs> wide receivers stacked that close to the formation. But this is why you want a wide receiver like Juwan Jennings, because he can actually go and make that block. And you have George Kittle, and he can go ahead and make that block as well. So it was overall, I think, a really positive, positive game for what the Niners want to do and do well, which is run the ball. Now, one thing we thought we would see is some Trey Lance run packages. And we did. We saw a couple of interesting new things. We did a breakdown in the offseason looking at, you know, quarterback counter and power and a couple of basic things. We didn't really see. We saw more exotic things in this game, which, of course, like we, we should have expected that. I just didn't expect that we would see a quarterback draw run pass option and a speed option as the things that were really <laughs> going to be, the, you know, Trey Lance being unleashed into the world. And, and yet here they were. And, and I think the kind of results were a little mixed. I mean, he didn't really convert. Uh, the speed option was basically a disaster. Yeah. And and the quarterback draw uh, run pass option also equally not successful. So definitely a mixed bag outside of the touchdown throw for Trey Lance. Yeah, I, and I think that the touchdown throw kind of illustrates the, the potential downside of this, right? So I, I, it felt like they came out that first full drive that they got. Um, they brought him in there on a, on a few plays, right? Kind of like they did in the preseason game. It was it was looking a lot like it did early in that that final preseason game there, um, and then it kind of just went away after that, right? And, and I think what you had was too much, which was kind of something we mentioned. Uh, I think it was after that game, right? Is you worry about kind of tipping your hand too much when you bring him in? If and I think that's why you're successful, right? The the one play that was most successful was a touchdown throw because he came in there. He faked, you know, was on play action. Uh, so you're showing that run action that everybody's expecting, and then you're throwing it off of that. And and that was, uh, you know, able to be successful for them. But otherwise, I think right now he comes in and everybody defensively is like, okay, we're, we we know that some something is coming in the run game. It's probably going to be something more optiony, and, and they're ready for it, right? And, and so I think if that's the only time that you're bringing him in there, you're, you're probably not going to be very successful, right? It's, I think it's going to look a lot like it did in this game if those are the only situations. That was kind of like why prior to, to them kind of showing what they did in that final preseason game, we were really expecting him to come in more in situations where you're not worried about tipping your hand, right? Those the short yardage goal line situations where everybody's expecting to run anyway, right? And he's just going to be a more effective player and give you some different options in in those situations. But you're not as worried about tipping your hand because when it's third and fourth and one, like most teams are running the ball heavily in those situations anyway. And I think a couple of them were. I think the speed option was on third and short and the touchdown pass was in the red zone as well. And that's where, you know, things get a little bit condensed. And so you don't have to worry about kind of the, the, the field being stretched, everything's already a little bit condensed, but you know, there's still, it's a long season. I think this is Shanahan getting to play with his shiny new toys and Trey Lance first touchdown in a 49ers uniform on his first throw. And this is the trivia who caught Trey Lance's first, first touchdown pass in his career when he's going to get enshrined in Canton. This is the, <laughs> the question everyone's going to ask, you know, was it Brandon Ayuk? Was it Debo Samuel? No, no, it was Trent Sherfield. He was the guy who caught the the first touchdown pass a player who was in surprisingly because Brandon Ayuk had a hamstring issue and uh, was not healthy enough to play a lot of snaps but healthy enough to return a punt <laughs> uh not a great look I mean like look Sherfield uh played I think relatively well I mean we'll get a better that's one of the things we'll kind of get a better look at uh as we get to the the coaches tape kind of later in the week but 
Yeah, I, I mean, on that touchdown throw, did a great job shaking, uh, who was it? I think it was Oarie, um, on on kind of this little return route there and, and basically created a ton of separation right there at the goal line to give Lance an easy throw. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good on that play, but it, it was obviously very strange um, seeing Brandon Ayuk just kind of disappear. And as you mentioned, like before we started recording, right, getting what seems like kind of the Dante Pettis treatment, which is like, Seems weird. Like, why is why? Like, he was good last yeah. year. There, there must, there yeah, must I, have I just been yeah, it's weird. a lot. There must have been a lot that happened in camp that we clearly didn't know about. Looking from the outside in, one Trey Sermon not one of the top three. Two, they're trying to light a fire under Brandon Ayuk for some reason because even when he was playing, he wasn't the primary option. He was the clear out when Debo was running the basic or the dig route behind him. You know, he was not even looking back for the ball. He knew that he was not necessarily a decoy, but likely was not going to be a true option on any of those plays. And so it definitely is, you know, it was the Debo show. He had he ended up with what over like almost 200 yards at this point, because um, I know he had like 180 and then he had uh, a 15 yard that he fumbled at the very, very end. They kept the lines in it. But yeah, final he, line the, was nine for 189 and the touchdown. Whew. That's uh, that's something. Uh, I really should have started him in Daily Fantasy. Instead, I started Ayuk and Mostert. It was a great day. A wonderful day for my fantasy team. At least the Daily Fantasy team. I can cut all these guys by next week. Um, <laughs> the other the other story, though, because the offense did well. They did enough to win. They scored uh, 41 minus 7, effectively, uh, which is enough 34. points. Math. Uh, yes. Thank you from the research department. That's That's enough points to win a game in the NFL. A lot of the time. The defense, though. This was D'Amico Ryan's opening grade. This is the first time we got to see what he was going to put on tape in a real game. How did D'Amico Ryan's do? I mean, I think it was uh, it was okay um, to start. Like, if you kind of judge it right, I mean, obviously, and we'll kind of get to to the end of the game here in a moment. But but I think for most of the game, things were fine, right? I do think the run defense was a little concerning. Um, I mean, they, they kind of got gashed quite a few times, uh, really right up the middle on, on a lot of split zone stuff. Uh, it did look like, and, and this is kind of something that, you know, again, we'll, we'll take a closer look at and probably touch on this, uh, later in the week and in, in the next pod, but, uh, it, it looked on first blush, like, you know, Zach Kerr, I don't feel like had a, a really a great, um, look in in some of those plays that then ended up going for big I, I feel like Drake Greenlaw got caught out of position on on kind of the split zone stuff a decent amount and yeah they they, they allowed some big gains Contavious Street also didn't handle double teams very well uh, and so he and, and yeah I mean look they're double teams but at the same time this is a guy who you're supposed to expect to be able to handle these double teams and not get pushed two yards back into uh, or two yards off the line of scrimmage when you, you basically just have a huge gap there for the Lions. And, and split zone is really a play that is is going to almost not punish the 49ers for their aggression, but really open up a cutback lane. And so if the Niners are going to flow fast and flow hard, which we know is what Kosurik likes to do and coaches his team to do, well, that cutback lane may be there. And, and you can kind of get to that backside defensive end with uh, a fullback or a tight end. And now you've got this huge lane in the middle. And that's exactly what was happening. So definitely something the team is going to need to shore up, especially with the defensive line, because that that's their strength. Yeah, that's the it, thing that they should be able to like withstand injuries. And that was the thing that kept really giving them problems. 
And that was kind of the wild thing to me is because th- they did have some plays that they made in the backfield, right? It, it, if you look in the first half, right before uh, game script really got out of control and and uh, the Lions went to dropping back every single time, they had the 49ers had four tackles for loss in that first half, right? But even with that, the Lions still managed to average over five yards a carry, 5.2 yards per carry in the first half. And so I think that that shows that, like, yeah, even despite some of those negative plays they were able to create, like, when they were getting through, they were getting through for some pretty big chunk yardage right on the ground. And so I think that's the, that's kind of the concern, right, is it's, it's one thing if you want to uh, you know, give up four or five yards here and there and, and stuff like that. And if you're playing more pass, but this was a game where they, they really did, uh, look to get more guys in the box early on, right? They played a lot of single high defense in, in this game. It looked like, uh, getting that extra safety down in the box. And, and so they, they really looked to be more gearing up on the run. Uh, and, and it just wasn't very effective. Yeah. That's one of the things that I want that I, I will still continue to watch over the course of the year is what, D'Amico Ryans chooses to do with his safeties and how he chooses to play them. The Niners under Salah have transitioned into more of the showing too high pre-snap and then rotating post-snap, which is more in line with like the, the Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio's of the world. And he didn't skew quite that far, but it's been a steady increase in that too high pre-snap look over like the last, especially two years. With Ryans, it seemed like he was definitely going to be a single high guy. I didn't notice... Uh, like most of the plays where I could see the entire coverage shell, which it's TV, so it's not often. Um, it seemed like they were in some kind of a single high man cover three type of defense. And that really is going back more towards the defense in 2017. There were a bit more like second down blitzes, which is what the Niners usually didn't do. They usually waited till third down. Um, and, and despite, I think all that, you really, you think of, okay, D'Amico Ryan's, how did he do? In the first half, Jared Goff had 85 yards on 20 attempts and a pick six. Like, that's really good. He was They yeah. were averaging more yards on the ground than they were through the air. I think it was like 4.6 on the ground and 5, <laughs> or 4.6 through the air and 5.3 on the ground at the half. So when you take a look at how, well, how did he do, he did fairly well. It really wasn't until they got up big and they took out their starters that things really started to fall apart. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of, you know, speaks to to more of a, a lack of depth, right, which was a concern, especially in the secondary um, than anything scheme related. Because, yeah, I think when when you look at it from a scheme standpoint against the Lions, it it made sense. Right. Like, I, I feel like uh, you have a team that really has a number of running backs that, that they want to get involved um, you know, I think with Dan Campbell there, they really want to rely on the run game if they can. And, and I think that showed kind of early on. Um, and they don't have, I mean, outside of TJ Hawkinson, like they really don't have anybody that is scaring you on the outside, right. As a weapon, like those receivers, uh, are it's a, it's a lot of young unproven players that, that haven't really, um, you know, done a whole lot at this point. And so I, I think, yeah, when you're gearing up and, and making a game plan against that type of offense, it makes sense to focus a bit more on the run and, and look to try to take that away. Now, that part wasn't successful, but they were still very effective, like you mentioned, in the first half against the pass. But then, you know, once they started putting the backups in, and I, I think it's understandable, right, why they, they decided to do that. But it, it was really at that point, right, Verrett gets hurt, that you're getting a number of backups in there defensively. Um, and, and that's kind of when the floodgates opened. Yeah. I mean, it was Tavon Wilson. It was the barnacle Dante Johnson. 
it was uh, Talano Hufanga. And, and I think even the announcers thought that the starters were injured. And then when it got close, the starters magically healed, which meant that they were just sitting them out so they didn't get injured. They were trying to play that. And, and that is, I mean, that to me is, is worrisome, is that the moment your starter goes down, now all of a sudden Jared Goff looks like, you know, he belongs in the Super Bowl once again. And, that, and that's problematic. That is problematic. Um, a couple notes before we get to the, the final kind of end of the game collapse. One uh, about the defense and just it was really, really good to see D Ford back. He completely wrecked shop on the other side of Bosa. And, and the, the Bosa-Penny uh, Sewell battle, um, I'll be interested to watch that a bit more when we can get to the All-22. Um, but it looked like Sewell got a, a couple really, really good reps on Bosa. And I mean, Bosa still had, I think he had a cleanup sack and, and he still was able to get a couple of pressures, but that was definitely a couple of heavyweights going at it. Well, that means that the backup right tackle is going up against D Ford and D Ford absolutely unloaded on him. And I mean, it was, it was hold or it was just going around the corner, getting to the quarterback. It was good to see D Ford back. And he really did change the way that the Niners could get after Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, the one that had had pressure in Goff's face on the Greenlaw pick six right there at the end of the half. Um, and then, yeah, there was another moment, uh, I think, when was it early in? Yeah, it was like in the second quarter at some point before the the Greenlaw pick six. Um, he had the sack on, on second down and then on the third down play, um, basically beat the tackle inside this time, drew a holding penalty. Uh, on on consecutive plays there so yeah it was definitely nice seeing him in there making plays especially because I mean yeah I think the the Bosa Sewell matchup was interesting Uh, you know there were there were obviously points during the broadcast there where they kind of showed a bunch of their reps in a row and and you saw Sewell do yeah I think a a pretty solid job overall I mean I think Bosa still had his moments he had a uh, he was in on on a couple of those tackle for losses I believe in the run game and then still had some pressures that sack the sack part was kind of a cleanup, but it was also Bosa driving Sewell back into Goff's lap in the first place that they kind of flushed him from the pocket. And then he was just able to disengage and kind of chase it down um, and, and finish the play there. So Bosa had his moments, but yeah, he was dealing with, I mean, it, it looked like they were sliding protection his way a lot. They were chipping him a, a decent amount. And so, yeah, that's when you need guys on that other side, right? You need Ford. You need some of those guys that are that are inside there, whether that be Armstead or you know Kinlaw or whoever. I think uh, even Ebukam was lined up inside a little bit in this game. It looked like he had uh, you know a pressure on a stunt when he was lined up at D tackle, and so yeah, you need those guys. Uh, that are kind of on the opposite side that are going to have some one-on-one matchups over there to really take advantage. And so, yeah, it was it was great to see Ford do that. I'm going to need to get used to also being on video when we live stream this because I've got the uh, the NFL Red Zone up on the iPad while we're recording, and I'm just watching Teddy Two Gloves go to town over here with KJ Hamler. And KJ Hamler had a ridiculous catch and he just dropped a deep bomb that basically hits him in the face. But man, Teddy Two Gloves over here for Denver. <laughs> I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So should you be worried about the collapse late? I think probably not if you couldn't hear it in our voices or the things already. I, I really do think this was really an indictment on depth and not on D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, at least from, from the initial blush, played a game plan that you would expect. A lot of single high, extra man down in the box, um, you know, didn't seem or need to blitz that often. 
And the Niners did really, really good in the first half. It wasn't until the second half when they started pulling starters that really then you started to to have things go sideways. And then the, the big change really in the game is losing Jason Brett. And and the team is is fears that he may have torn his ACL, which is awful. Um, there is I, I always forget the name of the test, but there's a test they can do on the field which tests the stability of the knee um, and gives you a pretty good um, indication of whether or not the ACL is torn. So if, if they're already worried that it's a torn ACL, chances are it's it's a torn ACL. Yeah, and, and at that I mean, point, you could see on his face too, right? Like yeah. he, he, he was, was crying on the field. Agony. Yeah. When, and when he was, there was like a point he was trying to walk off the field and then just yeah. kind of couldn't do it. And, and, and you see a couple guys run up there and, and kind of help support him a bit. And yeah, you, you feel for the guy. It sucks. And then once Dante Johnson comes in, now it's basically pick on Dante Johnson time. I mean, they, they continued to try to single him up and just kept throwing bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. Um, and a couple times it worked, a couple times it didn't. Um, but that's when things really started to 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 fall apart for the Niners. And then they just got unlucky. Yeah, I, I think it was, you know, defensively, you understand considering how injured this team was last season that they're like, all right, we're up 28 points like things are looking good. Like let's get, especially once Ferret right, gets hurt. Like let's get some of these guys the fuck out of there because we, we just can't deal with this sort of injury situation again. Right. Let's try to, to keep some of these guys healthy and get them off the field. And yeah, I, I think they just don't have the depth defensively to be able to, to really be a competent unit back there. I mean, the secondary especially was problematic. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Dante Johnson, they were uh, going three by one. And so we've talked in the past about a lot of the, uh, and this is very, this isn't just a 49ers thing. This is very common around the league, right? But the 49ers do uh, run this type of stuff a bunch. But when you get three by one, a lot of times what they're going to do is kind of rotate their coverage more toward the trip side. And they're going to kind of single up that guy that's to the single receiver side. And that was a lot of Dante Johnson. There was um, uh, some other guys in there too. Ambry Thomas, I think, got beat uh, at one point um, on, on a similar look. But it was a lot of going after Dante Johnson in these situations where he's singled up out there. And yeah, some of them, you know, he, he made a couple of nice plays in there, but also got beat for some and, and it just wasn't good. And then you also see them just, you know, with, with these backup linebackers in there and everything, just kind of playing soft, playing kind of more, uh, just that, that country cover three, they're going to drop to spots and it just left a lot of space. You know, th- there was just a lot of room there for Goff to be able to make some throws, uh, to the middle of the field. And yeah, I, I think you just saw, and then, you know, you mentioned getting a bit unlucky. I-, I think there's a number of things that happened there at the end of the game that if like even one of those things don't happen, right? Like no one's given a shit cause they don't get that close again. Right. It, it, you get the, the really good bounce on the um, onside kick, right, that goes up off Kittle's face mask. You get the Debo fumble on on what would have been the game-clinching first down, right? And there was just a lot of things going on there, and I think it was a calculated risk that they made to kind of pull some of their guys and attempt to, get, to keep healthy that you understand why they want to make that risk, and it just between that and some of these unlucky bounces, you know, just nearly backfired on them, and it made things a lot more interesting than it needed to be. So overall, I think it's not too much to be concerned about on the defensive side. Definitely things to keep an eye on. But I think overall, I this game played out for three and a half quarters, or for really two and a half quarters, exactly how you would think. The Niners dominated. They were fantastic on offense. They were efficient. They were smooth. They imposed their will on the Lions. 
And on defense, they really suffocated Jared Goff and outside of some kind of run plays, which look, if you're not going to do something well, it should be stopping the run. <laughs> like I would, I would much rather be gashed up the middle of the field than I would be gashed with Jared Goff's arm. And, and then things, you know, they got a little unlucky. They had some injuries. You know, this really is a test to their depth. And they didn't really ace that test. But overall, I think even with the tight score, it ended up being an eight-point game. Someone in Vegas is going to be very, very sad. Um, then I think it was still overall a positive result for the 49ers. All right, let's get to some odds and ends before we close out this uh, quick game recap. One, injury updates. The only one we haven't talked about is Dre Greenlaw. Apparently, he has a groin injury. And the, noticing just the, the linebackers in general, they were fucking fast. They were hitting hard. Like Aziz Alshire looks bigger and also faster. Maybe it's because he's got the like the arm, the JJ Watt arm wrap, right? So it just like looks <laughs> bigger. Um, but he looked big and fast and he was flying. So was Fred Warner. So was Greenlaw while he was out there. And the linebackers look really, really good. Yeah, I thought I thought they did a great job of of coming up. I mean, there was a lot of underneath throws there in that first half, especially, and and they were just doing an excellent job of of closing on those quickly, making the quick tackles. You know, they had some uh, you know key third down stops there where they're making tackles short of the the first down marker and forcing some of those fourth down attempts that the Lions uh, ended up doing pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the linebackers, especially from a coverage perspective on, on first look there looked pretty good. Uh, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I thought Mark Sanchez was pretty good. I actually yes. enjoyed his breakdowns. I thought, yeah, he had a couple things. He, he, he loves saying, uh, I think Eb, Eb, you cam or something. He would get his name wrong, but you know what? I, I sympathize. We here at the better <laughs> rivals podcast, are not going to cast aspersions or throw, or throw stones on getting names. Right. Um, uh, but he also said really funny things like, uh, he, it went right through the wickets and when, <laughs> when it went through the receiver's hands, which is hilarious, a cricket reference, you know, it's like, it, that, that's kind of funny. I love that. But his outside of the whole, like play defense and take the three points and the kind of general conservative crap that you get from most announcers, which I guess I'm kind of numb to at this point. I just ignore right. it. Like, how do they break down the play? Are they giving me information? Are they noticing things well and quickly? And he was. Um, it was really interesting to see inside of his mind. And he talked a bit about mechanics and quarterback stuff too. I thought overall it was good and I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it was, uh, I think, very surprising um, that he was as good as he was. I was but expecting him to suck. <laughs> yeah, I was I was honestly expecting it to be terrible. Um, and, and he definitely wasn't. Yeah, I think it's always nice when you can get a former quarterback that is actually willing to to not be just so like cliche ridden and and just like so vanilla with what they're talking about right when they can get in there a little bit and give you like a little bit of insight on on what they're looking at right and what they see defensively like they, they you know he did a good job of mentioning like hey that when when uh the Lions are going three by one here. The 49ers are leaving this single receiver, and that's why they keep throwing this deep shot down the line, right? Um, he, he talked about that with uh, Jimmy's deep completion to Debo, right, where it, you get the pressure in the middle of the field. It's cover one there. He shows the safety in the middle of the field, and it's like, all right, I know I've got this one-on-one -on -one match with the outside. That's where I'm going to go, and he kind of walks you a little bit through that quarterback thought process. I, I f always find that interesting. How much credit we given Jimmy Garoppolo for that deep 80-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel? 79-yard. Sorry. We're giving him an extra yard. Uh, 
a mild amount of credit. Uh, he did, like, look, not here to tell you that was a bad throw. Not here to do any of that. Not here to shit on Jimmy Garoppolo for that throw. Uh it was more Debo Samuel. I mean, yeah, he, Jimmy did a great job standing in there, finding the right player right within that play based on the defense he was getting, standing in there with the pressure. He took a, a big shot there. Uh, and I think you can make, if you if you give him the benefit of the doubt, which I think you should always try to do, um, you know, it, it makes sense that he would leave that ball a little short um, because you get the defender that was playing a little bit on top. Debo struggled. He didn't get behind him. He didn't get stacked. So you're not going to really have a throw available over the top. And so you just kind of leave it short and behind and, and hope that your guy can make an adjustment. And so it's it's a good ball, but you're still relying more on your receiver to make that play. And obviously Debo not only makes the catch, but then does what he does after the catch to, to turn that into a touchdown. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's it's definitely a Debo Samuel play. He, I think he saved Garoppolo because if that ball, if the corner th- basically brings his head around, um, that could end very differently. But the one thing I will say about Jimmy is that he gave his his player a chance. And that's not something he's always wanted or been able to do, which is good, right? It's good that you're going to try to make that throw. Um, and that was the right place to go based on, on the coverage and based on everything that was happening. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know that it was necessarily a dart. If it, if it were me, I wouldn't say call it a strike. Just <laughs> if I were to choose a word, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't use that word. I would. I would say maybe a loft, uh, a well, a well intentioned loft. Uh, but yeah, a strike. Not sure. So uh, NFC best is basically at this point three zero. You've got the the Tennessee Titans who lost the Cardinals. You have got the Seattle Seahawks who had a couple of. Re- ridiculous catches by Tyler Lockett. I mean, those were stupid, uh, but they had a, a double digit win against the Colts and the Niners emerged victorious. Basically it's up to the Rams and the NFC best could be all wins at this point with one week or one week into the season. So this is one going to be one of the toughest divisions in football. It's going to be interesting how it shakes out. I think the one that is, I mean, I, I'd be interested to see. I didn't get uh, to, to see a ton of it, um, obviously, as the Niners game was was happening there, but caught some plays, uh, you know, on, on the red zone channel there on the iPad. But the Cardinals blowing out the Titans like that is the one that is like, if that's legit, like if they were really that dominant as, as 38 to 13 suggests, like that gets a little scary because we, we expect Seattle to be good. I think we're expecting the Rams to to be a little bit better uh, now that you get Stafford in there. And and so, like, we're already expecting it to kind of be a three-way race at the top. And and if now the Cardinals are bringing that, like, whew, going to be tough. I only have words for thruples. I don't have quadruples at this point. <laughs> That's not – there's three as a crowd. We don't need a fourth. That's cool. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting – I, the only play that I do remember seeing that I thought, okay, it was basically, I think it was a sack of uh, Tannehill that ended up getting him either a defensive touchdown or the ball very, very close in the red zone. But yeah, that's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that's for real. Week one's always a little weird, right? I, I remind you that in Jim Tom Sula's season, the Niners dunked all over the Vikings uh, en route to four and 11 <laughs> or four and 12 or whatever it was. Um, and so it's definitely, you know, a little weird. You don't know exactly what the team's going to be bringing in. They might be writing some kind of emotional high or low. And I mean, hell, I, I think even the 10 Bay Bucks lost in week one last year. So still lots of season to happen, but definitely Can't, an interesting result. 
Chandler Jones had five sacks. <laughs> well, that that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah, and I think I mean the the thing that's scary right, is if if Kyler is is clicking. Um, I mean they've just got some I think exciting players in that receiving core. I mean obviously Hopkins, but even players like Christian Kirk. Um, I really like Rondale Moore, who's who's a rookie for them out of Purdue. He had four for sixty eight in this game, and then they still have AJ Green there. Like AJ Green, obviously not the player that he was at his peak, but like still a talented dude and if he ends up being your you know i don't know third or fourth option like that's that's pretty good yeah research department in my ear they're saying the niners went five and eleven under jim tom sula i was both uh robbing a win and adding a loss uh but at different times which i think is indicative of what we should be remembering about that year (laughs) um (laughs) uh, so yeah all right i think that does it for this first of two episodes in the week edition i'm gonna find a new way to close that was awkward look stumble you know we're still uh we're just gonna say like we only really plan for 16 weeks in the regular season so this is kind of like you know preseason adjacent for us we're you know we're still finding our way here and then when you get to when you add the 17th game basically what we're saying is next week may still also be preseason so we'll work out the kinks we'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) eventually better late than never eventually you know but it's exciting that football's back. It's exciting that I'm staring at referees making funny hand gestures on my iPad. Uh, Bill Vinovich is telling me that he uh, apparently has floor bags everywhere. And, <laughs> and I'm glad that you all are along for the ride. So thanks again for tuning in. If you want to catch the podcast live when we stream it starting next week, subscribe on the Patreon. David, tell them where they can find that. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Yeah, definitely uh, an excellent time to get in on that. Buy us a beer. Uh, if you are not already buying us a beer, because yeah, I think we, we have, uh, some fun stuff planned and I think we're going to be getting that hashtag content out to you. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to go through this regular season with it. Or as we said in Kentucky pound tag, instead of <laughs> yeah, let's pound tag it. It's an inside joke. Literally only we get, so not a single other person listening understands that, but you know what? It's the end of the episode and we don't care. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for being with us on year 10 of this endeavor. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.